Howdy, folks, and welcome to Tailgate. For those of you just joining us, we're on a road trip across America to uncover the mysteries behind tall tales, fairy tales, folk tales, fish tales, and urban legends, one interview at a time. Now, today is a departure from our regular supernatural guest and such, as we have with us today a cryptid fiction author, Greg Walter. Welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Hey, wonderful. How's everyone? Doing super great. Uh, I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Yeah, no complaints yet. Man, tell us a little about yourself. I'm Greg Walter, author of my newly released book, The Ridge Walkers. It's a sci-fi magical realism uh, that contains stories of a man's life into his encounter with a, um, with a Sasquatch. And from there, the backstory of how the Sasquatch got there. And so this is where it goes from, from reality into science fiction, because I talk about the other world and, and all the fun parts of that. And so it's sort of a Planet of the Apes, uh, but, but it takes place where, you know, their mode of travel is a, is a traversable wormhole and a portal. Mm-hmm. And it seems like these days everybody loves a portal. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just watched Kong versus Godzilla. They did this. They had a portal to Hollow Earth. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And so, and so this, you know, it follows that theme and going to the other place. And and actually, that wasn't a theme that I sort of invented. That was more or less from native lore about how they oftentimes express that these things live in two worlds. And so, so that's what I ran with, and and had a lot of fun with it. In in the story, is there ever a line, uh, "You damn dirty squatch"? Oh <laughs> no! Other no. than other than except for the antagonist, you know, is um, you know they're going after these things because 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 they want them as a prize to you know to stick in their in their favorite parlor along with the white buffalo and mm. you know and all the rest of the animals, mm. and so um, and so that's when bad things happen. <laughs> Cool, yeah. So um, is there maybe an excerpt that you could share from oh, it? sure, sure. I'm going to read a... Um, th- this was one of my favorite little parts, and it dealt with the spiritual doctor. And um, and the quote that I use is actually from, from Ishii, which, you know, he was the last of his tribe there in Central California. and um, And this is how it reads. Those living in distant worlds could read and know how the people spoke and who were their gods and heroes and what was their way. Hmm. A frail-looking elder with long gray hair sat next to the glowing coals of a fire just outside a small, well-used, stoutly built sweat lodge. Hmm. He had been in prolonged prayer, meditation, and contemplative thought for the past six days after his usual routine was disrupted when he felt an intuition that he had to follow. He had been trained to follow these, a ritual process and cautionary warning to the apprentices to prepare for what's coming. Steps would be taken to begin a specific diet for the impending cleanse and foot travel to the prayer spots they would visit. Much had to be done to keep nearby cook fires burning and preparations for the next several days of ceremony. Hmm. And so it was around the midnight hour, the doctor sensed the night was not like any other. And he sat motionless, his legs crossed, dressed in only deerskin pants. His normally piercing dark eyes looked lost, staring up at the stars past the new moon in late May of 1996. From up in the galaxy, an incredible starry night danced with all its celestial glory. Startled, he glared up, then narrowed his eyes. He caught a sudden pulse-like movement in a split-second view and knew what he saw. 
He had been waiting patiently for this sign. He summoned over one of the experienced runners. He faintly whispered in a weak but firm voice, It is time. Prepare to go. The runner knew what to do. Ooh. Ooh. Hopefully that runner's got some cardio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Cardio background. All right, man. All right, I'm intrigued. So, and and, and before I get too far in it, the, uh, the Ridge Walkers... When Legend Becomes an Encounter, you can find that on, I believe, Amazon. Do you have your own website, too? or? Um, yes. Yes, you can look on the ridgewalkers.com, and you can purchase it through Amazon, through Barnes & Noble, and Open Books Press, and I think Smashwords. What about B. Dalton? B. Dalton. No, it's not in B. Dalton. No, I remember B. Dalton. No, <laughs> Anyone no, else no. remember B. Dalton? But that's, but that's good, though. <laughs> oh, man. Those books are used to be in the mall back when, like, malls are a big thing. Ah, they're long. Right, right. Uh, but, all right, well, you know what? Before, before we get too far down to business, sure. I got to ask, what is everyone drinking today? What is every? I'm drinking some stout coffee from Joshua Tree. Ooh, that's nice. Ooh. Oh, dude, Joshua Tree is just, I mean, a little far. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Mellow Ethiopian. Ooh, yes. Oh, they, yeah, that sounds, that sounds real <laughs> good. Yes. I am drinking uh, from Hawaii, Gold Cliff IPA. It is 7.2. Wow. ABV. Yeah, nice, it's, nice, got nice. Some, it's got some, it's got some, some. You go, Tiger. Real tropical pineapple. Wow. I mean, I really, honestly, most, most IPA tastes so citrusy that I really noticed it's even pineapple. You could tell me it was grapefruit. <laughs> Told me it was lemonade. Oh, I probably would taste it to me, but yeah, and it's got a cool guy cliff diving. I guess. Oh, I guess that's why it's called Gold Gold Cliff. Yeah, he's diving <laughs> off a gold cliff. Nice. Anyway, what you drinking today, Cheesehead? <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking a Rat Bastard root beer, which I thought was alcoholic, but now that I'm looking at this bottle, I don't actually think it is. Oh, uh, I do feel like a rat bastard. Yeah, on the on the label right here, it says, "Hold on, let me get it." It says, <laughs> "Quit being a dick." You drink it. That's great. Imagine being like, imagine being like Robin or like Dick Tracy, and you just got to give up on life to drink it. <laughs> it also on the on the little bottle cap says, "Tastes like a son of a bitch." I don't know what that means, but there it is. All right, yes. so 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 Greg, you're a U.S. Coast Guard Merchant Marine vet. Uh, first off, thank you for serving. Um, and thank you. Yeah, man. Uh, so, so I know a lot of Bigfoot field research can require, uh, you know, a certain amount of survival and tactical skills. You got to do a lot of hiking and stuff. Got to keep things light. Uh, how has your time serving uh, helped you in your in your quest for for Sasquatch and the Bigfoot? In some ways, you know, like any military training, it's good for discipline, mm. and you know, being able to keep yourself organized, you know, keep your head about you, and um, you know, a lot of my background even happened before I was in the Coast Guard, and you know, in the form of going on outward bound trips, and um, you know, spending twenties out in national parks or wilderness areas. I think it's that old adage from Daniel Boone who once said, "You know, I've never been lost, just a mite confused for a few days." <laughs> so yeah, just just knowing that skill set, you know, gives mm-hmm. it really gave me a boost of confidence in being able to <laughs> to move around out there in the woods. And, you know, and it really helps, too, where it's like it's like rather than feel like, oh, my God, there's cougars and there's bears out here and so forth. No. How about 
God, I can't wait to see a cougar or a bear, you know, or, you know, to encounter one. And you know what it is. You know how to keep your distance from it. You know, you know. And if not, that's where that cardio comes in. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. right. And climbing skills to get your butt up that tree, hmm. you know. But um, but some of that's just common sense. Now, that bear is going to come right up that tree for me, after me. Well, yeah, sure. yeah, but some of that's common sense, you know, keeping yourself, hmm. you know, where you don't get between mama and the cubs. Don't piss off the mother. Yeah. Um, gee, go figure, mm. you know, and so and, and it's the same thing. I try not to piss off mine, too. Yeah, right, right. It, yeah. I do, though. I do all of <laughs> Mom, I'm sorry. I know you're listening. I don't mean to piss you off. I just know that I do. <laughs> well, you know, it's like it's like folks around here where I live in in Southern California currently, you know, with the rattlesnakes and, um, you know, and they get freaked out and so forth. No, why don't you just sit down near them, socially distance. They will teach you social distancing. And, um, yeah, a rattlesnake sure will, yeah, you know, sing to them. And what's interesting <laughs> with that is that is, is that all of a sudden well, they're pretty musical, yeah, it, 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 it brings them on a neutral level with you. And, um, you know, if they were just sitting down next to them where you're, you know, five or ten feet away where they stop rattling and they'll mm-hmm. go back to sleep, you know, and then you just move around them, you know, and so, and so. I mean, you reckon there's like a similar tactic to like snake charming in like India. I mean, sure. no, it's like cobras, like king cobras sure. and whatnot. But I mean, yes. Have you ever seen it like work with a rattlesnake I, as well? well? Well, yes, exactly. And that's that's why you know you just stay calm, and you you calm them down rather than panic, and create a worse situation for both mm-hmm. you and the snake. And so and so and and it's kind of that way with cougars or with anything, you know, you'll, you know, unless they're hungry or diseased or something weird's going on with them, they will generally back off, um, you know, so long as you're not a threat to them. I've never had a problem. Matter of fact, I've, you mm-hmm. know, quite frankly, it's almost like for the amount of big feet I've seen, which is all a one, I think I've seen about the same number, like one in cougar, you know, in cougar land. And so um, now they might be watching me at different times and I have that feeling, but but they seldom mm. do I ever see one, you know, bears I see all the time. And, and, and on my trip, you know, in this, in this trip that I took in reality, um, yeah, there were bears all over the place. I mean, they were beautiful. All right. Uh, I'd, I'd like to circle it um, back to your novel, which you've described as uh, uh, sci-fi and magical realism with a swashbuckling adventure, yet with heavy philosophical themes concerning science fiction and strong environmental aspects what philosophies and messages are at the heart of your novel the ridge walkers ah good question um thank you it it is it's really around these these beings that are hugely reliant on our natural world and and i think i think that they are representative of of everything that our natural world can bring to us. And when you look at the native lore, the way they see the world around them is that it is their grocery store, their hardware store and their pharmacy. And so, and so those are things they need to be able to survive. And within that theme, you know, it's important that we try to care for our natural world. And some of that can just be as simple as not littering. Some of it mm. is the bigger topics of yet like the salmon are disappearing. And to think that like last year at, I think this was at one of the towns in Northern California, 
they had a salmon festival and everybody had to eat chicken <laughs> chicken at the salmon festival what and i mean it's so, not funny that's which, just depressing which was, i'm laughing because i'm sad <laughs> well, what <laughs> well yeah and so and that's the thing is that is that so so you know and there's there's a term in 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 the native language um i'll share this once and it's called pikivish i thought tuna was a chicken of the sea yeah right right but but basically the the word means um to fix it you know and that's and that's kind of what you know like a lot of these tribes will do like a world renewal ceremony and that is to purge cleanse and renew the world and you know and and when they do that and they dance for 10 mm -hmm. days straight and they're fasting beforehand and they put all of their heart and soul in it well when they leave one of the ways that the places where they danced is blessed is by the little people that show up and basically bless the area. That's why they say you can stay here for a day or two, you know, like this, you know, so long as we're here. But when we leave, everyone has to leave. And that's because that's because they want that blessing. That was the whole purpose of the dance. I mean, that's what kind of completes it. And so and so when you think about these these basic core values and, you know, and and, and ways with which we can as individuals you know, help our natural world. And it might be just as simple as rather than taking that plane trip around the world, let's do something fun that's more local. Um, it might be, you know, just, I mean, for all of the people that go out to national parks, I mean, spend a little more time there than the selfie and please, please pick up your trash. Right. You know, I mean, some simple, some simple things, you know, because there's so many people yeah. going to yep. these great public spaces and I feel like we have an opportunity to show some care for it. And, you know, and so it's a simple ask, you know, and it's just it's just things that we can do. It's sort of like the core values within within Christianity, you know, and to follow those values, you know, to help the other guy to to do things, you know, where it makes your world just a little bit better of a place. Yeah, I I, I feel yeah. like that's definitely I mean. No, not to hearken too much on religion, but I do think yeah. that's that's probably the, almost the, the most forgotten quality of Christianity is, I don't want to say Jesus, because obviously he's at the forefront, but kind of what Jesus actually taught, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, right. you know, yeah. the, the, the turn the other cheek, the champion, the poor, like, I feel like yeah. a lot of those qualities are, are, are what's kind of, I think, universal. I don't, you know, and I feel like that's what's mostly underlooked in terms of his teachings is like people, you know, you have the mega churches and you have like so many industries around this character but like that's absolutely the opposite of what he would want just just get just give you right. know like take as little as you need and give as much as you can hmm. you know and i feel like yeah that does speak true for nature now i believe i believe you have your yeah. own your own mysterious encounter with, with a sasquatch you i mean you care to talk more about that oh sure um so this was back in the mid 90s and, you know, and since then, sorry, I don't have revisitations. I don't feed them mm. apples, you know, any of that, any yeah, of that kind of fun animals. stuff. Um, right, right. <laughs> Stop feeding the animals. But, but, you know, the wildlife. The I almost, wildlife. Feel, like, I almost um, feel like if aliens but, came and just kept feeding us, people would definitely keep going back. Like it's, I know it's one of like, don't feed the animals. Like, man, humans would do the, they'd fall for the exact same trick. Like free, like Taco Tuesday with aliens. Yeah, people would be abducted left and right because they just show up for them tacos. <laughs> well, yeah, it's sort of right. like the Far Side cartoon of the aliens. Wow, they really do taste like chicken, <laughs> you know. But, but the, um, but you know, I think that the, um, <laughs> the, 
Well, like, here's another great story that I remember seeing. And this was on one of the Bigfoot, I think it was on one of the Bigfoot shows where they had Jeff Meldrum and they had, you know, you know, you know, several of the big ones up there. And it was a story, I think it was in National Geographic, but it talked about they were the Squamish mm. tribe up there in British Columbia and how the doctors up there or these shamans would basically, they would have these apprentices and they would train them. And then, and then, you know, like narrowing it down to the best of the best, four or five of them would disappear into the woods like forever. And, um, yeah, and, and so and so this was the thing was that were these what would become the Sasquatch, but instead, you know, from time to time, this shaman had the ability to reconnect with them and learn some of the secrets of the natural world that are just, they're not, these are not widely known or shared because, you know, who spends that kind of time and dives into nature where you're out there with just, just a paring knife. Right, right. Um, you know, and so it's a, you know, it's a really interesting, but, but it's also something that like, that like there's your connectors to, to these beings. And so my, my encounter, it took place on a low system of ridgelines. And, um, and I was out there for, for, it was an eight day pack trip or nine days, something like that. And, um, it was a circle route. So I was doing about 60 miles. The trail, though it looked beautiful on the map, it was horrible on the ground. So yeah, at any rate, it was this, it was this trail system I'm walking along. And, um, and the first night I remember burning some sage and I remember having a, just a well of emotions come up and I was almost crying, but I was happy, but I was crying. You know, it was this weird bunch of feelings that came up and, and it's interesting because there's actually a book called cry for luck. And that's what I was doing was crying for luck. And, um, and that night, I mean, I didn't see anything or anything like this. It was just a beautiful night. But then that next, that next night, as I hiked out further, I camped near, not close, but, but near a spring. And at the, and at this spring that was coming out of this old tree was this salamander. And so I was holding the salamander going, wow, you are so beautiful. It's just a perfect example of a giant salamander. And so I put him back down in the spring and that next night would be the night I would have this encounter. And, and this thing, so I was camped in an amphitheater area and there was some, there was some small ponds at the other end of the amphitheater. And this was probably like a little bit smaller than a football field, you know, about that size. And, um, and it was walled on three sides. It was just really steep, brushy, you know, not exactly easy to walk around in. Um, and from there, it, it was right at that time of the thin red line when, um, and that's right at that time of power. So it's right when, when, when the day is done and darkness is, is basically all but set in this thing, this thing just emerges. And it was like, it was waiting there. Um, but yet I didn't see it, you know, when it was daylight and even when it was dusk, it wasn't that far away, you know, but, but from there I hear this crash, crash, and it goes down to water and it's drinking and drinking and drinking, slurp, 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 slurp. And then from there, a splash, 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 stomp, stomp, crash, 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 doing this semicircle. Then I got a look at it and I could just see like the shadow of it. And it was, it was about an eight, eight and a half foot but I remember these just glaring, icy gray eyes, you know, looking at me, um, just, I mean, looking right into my soul. It was just, it was such a, such a shocking moment. And then the thing just continued and, and headed down the hill. Um, 
you know, and no, I didn't have plaster of Paris. No, I didn't make, you know, you know the foot casts and all this fun stuff. Um, I did take a picture, but um, but it's kind of weird. It's like a gravelly looking picture. Um, and so that was my encounter. And, you know, so years later, I would be told that um, that you know you're on the right track to see one of these things if you see a salamander in the spring and um, or in a spring like that up in a mountainous area and then and then throw into that i also had um in my research i dug into this about the immortals the little people where it's like they were relegated to these mountain ridge lines and basically to springs and so forth and there's two different types there's there's the land babies and the water babies. And what I basically saw was a water baby. Um, but it was a shapeshifter. It was in the form of a salamander. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, sorry, that was that was just a really cool salamander. <laughs> you know, but but you know, from the native lore and from my research <laughs> and so forth, this thing was something else, you know, and so and so and it just followed this pattern. And and had I had the training to be able to communicate then then I would have learned something. I would have been able to gain knowledge from this from this creature. Well, I mean, it still sounds yeah. like you gained some kind of knowledge from it regardless. I mean, you 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 left with more than you came with. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, and and had you had you gone out to um intentionally seek out these these creatures? No. Or were you just kind of there? Yeah. Yes, I was on a pack trip. I mean, I had it in the back of my mind, like, wow, what's going to happen if I see Bigfoot? You know, and that's that's <laughs> kind of an interesting one where people, you know, I mean, this is where it almost steps into the world of the Jungian archetype, you know, and that mm. and that basically it's just a very vivid hallucination. Um, you know, the only thing about, about my situation was that I did see the footprints. And so do do archetypes leave footprints? All right. Well, yeah, it's a pretty good question. That's one well, of my golden questions. So do you think do you think little people across I mean, I know that there are like uh you know, obviously you mentioned leprechauns with the lucky charms earlier. Uh you you got you got you got them, you got yeah, Menahune. So so like Pukwaji. I would argue even hobbits. Like, do you think these little people across the board are, are some kind of in some kind of relation, or do you think they're just like I mean, separate entities. All you know how like there are some say ice giants versus like acolytes who are not ice giants. Like, do you okay. think there are there are related, or do you think right. that they're just right. you know different different cultures, different beliefs? So I think that there's because I kind of break them up in three different classifications. One are are actual small people, which are like pygmies and you know things like this, where um, you know they stand hmm. you know a foot to to three feet tall and but but those guys and i think the pandak orang is an example um you know obviously pygmies and also i think there's another name for them um pig pygmitos or something like this but um but basically you know we have those in the fossil record so we know they exist um mm -hmm. you know and so the the other ones are obviously dwarfs where where they're afflicted with it's a it's it's an osteo problem. It's a bone deformity. And, you know, those ones obviously exist. You know, dwarfism is a real ailment that, you know, mm -hmm. people suffer. And so, so yeah, there's, there's those two. And those ones, once again, we have their fossilized, you know, or their skeletal remains and so forth like this. And they actually found, I think there was nine or 10 small people that were in a cave, I think in Wyoming, 
um, you know, that were discovered. And I want to say that was about 10 or 15 years ago. But but then from there, you have the spiritual realm. And this is when it really gets fun. Because, you know, these mm. things are all over the map as far as most of them are malevolent. Um, there's a few of them that are benevolent. But, you know, they can be pretty evil little rascals. Like gremlins? <laughs> yep. Yep. You got it. Yeah. And so... And so, you know, and they can, you know, you know, put some hex on you that you'll never get rid of. And so it's just something that that's their nature. It's almost like, um, you know, like I've never heard a warm and fuzzy story about skinwalkers. You know, um, well, I mean, they're fuzzy. Yeah, right. They're probably warm. No. Yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> physically, they're probably warm and fuzzy. Well, right, right. But, you know, um, but yeah, you know, and, um, and I remember the author of this book, The American Elves. I'll hold it up again. This is John Roth. And um, and he actually worked up at the Oregon Caves. And so that was his career as, as a natural history guy up there. But he had a really fun story up at, I think it was Mount Rainier. And it was right in September. And the snow had fallen. Um, and it was just, you know, it was like the beginnings of winter. And it was just the first snowfall. And there was a maintenance guy out. And he was working in one of the sheds or working on a generator or something. And he pops his head out because he heard something weird. And he turns and he looks. And he sees this thing on, like... It was like a human that stood about two and a half feet tall, but it had deer legs and it ran off into like a side gully and just disappeared. Boom, gone. Um, you know, and that's no, that's an example no, of one of these guys. Hmm. And so and, and so, yeah, sometimes sometimes they get caught out in the open, you know, but but normally they're they're pretty damned hidden. Um, there's another good book that I have, and that's this one, The Dark Watchers. And this is from... Um, That's in California, right? Yeah, yeah. This is the one about the... Um, it's the one about the little people of Big Sur in the in the Santa Lucia Mountains. And, um, and how sometimes, like, they're on the ridges and the fog is there. And the way the light is hitting them, their shadow goes up into the fog that makes them look like they're these 15-foot tall, you yeah, know, like, crazy... Like wizards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. I always pictured like when I thought about the walkers, I always pictured like just Gandalf's shadow <laughs> lurking yeah. up on the ridge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know, and there's a really cool story about Olive Steinbeck. That was John Steinbeck's wife or mother, I think. I think it was the mother. And back in the day, she rode a horse through the mountains there, and she was teaching kids in different little rural places. And and at this one pass. There was like this little alcove up at the pass and she would leave like some little pieces of fruit and some stuff like this. And then, uh, you know, upon her return, there would be this really cool little array of acorns and some feathers and, you know, things like this that these dark <laughs> watchers would leave for her. Um, you know, and then the other interesting thing that was interesting with them was that was that even the Spanish knew about them dating back you know, into the into the 1500s where they called them Los Vigilantes Oscuros, which literally meant the Dark Watchers. And um, so, it's, so you know, these things have a history in these places. And that, I think, is so fascinating because it transcends even our, you know, current interest in, in the Bigfoot mania that's taken place over the last 50 plus years. Well, I also think some of the sentiments still stand. Like you, you were saying, like the, the Dark Watchers I always heard of were, were yeah, again, like 15 foot tall like specters right. just just gazing at you but if you're saying that that's like the shadows you know cast by by small folk you know like like hobbit type folk right. there's a there's a quote i think it's 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 uh george rr R. martin where even a really small man can cast a really large shadow right uh 
I mean, that's not, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Mm. I know that's not his exact quote, but, right. um, yeah. Sure. I, and so, and you had, you mentioned, um, you know, the booming popularity of, of these types of creatures in, um, popular media. So, uh, my question for that in, in regards to that is the legend of Sasquatch has roots that begin with this land's first people, but, after all this time, there's this mainstream consensus that the creatures aren't real. So, despite the naysayers, Sasquatch has flourished into a cultural icon with museums, novels, festivals, feature films. Uh, what do you think it is, uh, Greg, what do you think it is about the big man's enduring legacy that entices so many people? Well, that's why I think it's important that I want to get two attorneys... And we're going to go out there. We're going to confront this guy, have him sign some paperwork. <laughs> and everybody that has Bigfoot RV, Bigfoot this, Bigfoot that, they got to pay him 20%. Um, hey, there you go. I got a museum right down the road for me. That's... <laughs> All right, listen here, John Hancock. You think your signature is big. <laughs> Here's Bigfoot. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, but, but you know, it's. I think we love a mystery. Yeah, well, he sure mm-hmm. is one. I do want to say, I'm going to say that line one more time because I found the actual quote. Oft times a very small man can cast a very large shadow. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I write that. Yeah. And that's and he sure does to this day. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing the thing with the dark watchers is that nobody's actually ever seen one. Mm-hmm. And so there's a presence. We know something's But they've seen you. Right, right. Oh, they're watching us. You know. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's what's so interesting with this is that you know, and this is where sometimes you get into a place and you feel like something is watching you. Um, you know, and, and certain nights or, you know, something like this, um, you know, and it's just, to me, it's almost like a part of the aura of the place, you know, wherever that is. And I think that throughout America, we have these different places that are very special and have been for many centuries. Stephen King touches on this, you know, um, you know, I want to say the pet cemetery, mm. You know, as an example, yeah, yeah. you know, um, yeah, yeah. And so and so and they're not everywhere, but in certain places and certain times, you know, these things, I don't know, there's a feeling there. There's something there more than more than just, you know, you know, squirrel I would say con- all right, I would say con- like in contrast, what's weird is like, you know, how like, oh, you get this feeling of being watched and it makes you uncomfortable. But we all know and joke about like how our cell phones and our computers like listen and watch everything that we do and our data we know is being shared. I mean, to, to corporations, even internationally, like we know we're being heard. Like I'm getting targeted ads from things that I said out loud. Uh, but I feel uncomfortable right. if I leave without my phone. So it's so weird that like you know right. you have kind of these these folk tales that are like warning you. Hey, if you feel like you're being watched, you should take that as a warning. And we live, you know, where the current, the, the present day is like, hey, you're going to feel uncomfortable by the very people who are watching you with, you know, if you're without them. So it's just kind of a weird contrast. You know, I think it, and the, the folk tales are warning against is everything that we, we, we envelop and, and uh, kind of represent today. We get, and, it's, and it's kind of funny, too, in sales. You know, if it was like, hey, I'm Greg Walter with Huntington Beach Toyota. Hey, come down and see. You know, I want people to watch me. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. So so it's kind of interesting how much of us, you know, know, especially in modern media, you know, that that we're in sales, you know. And so and so that's I mean, isn't that what Instagram's all about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. You you try to 
you try to to, to reach and, and relate and network with an audience and and it's uh, supposed to be I mean ideally it's supposed to be symbiotic where you meet people you really do care about and like I right. can say through this podcast right. I've met tons of people that we've even had on the show you know like Yami and and, and Flynn but yeah we've had them on the show and these are people that we just found, like you we've just kind of found through through networking and through um, Mm-hmm. Kind of a common goal to to bring history and, and folklore to the forefront and, and make something mm. entertaining and enlightening out of it. Great, yeah, and it's important. I mean, I think I think that there's that there's a true fascination with it, and a lot of it is just it's you know, and like I say, it comes back around to our relation to the natural world. Um, you know, getting out there in different places and having these adventures. Right. I mean, you know, so many people love the experience. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me again. Yeah. you're excused <laughs> thanks so, so yeah i mean it's you know it's fun and people get in you know a lot of times they get into a pickle sure you know you know nothing like having a boulder land on your leg you know or something crazy i remember hiking i'm like oh yeah dude i found i found i found a cougar like a mountain lion print i'm like yeah and i'm like yeah. i found a mountain lion print i need to fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean i'm like oh that's real cool until i'm like i'm actually thinking about it. I'm like I don't want to be near a mountain lion. I, what am I going to do against a mountain lion? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're kitty kitty. I don't know. But, yeah, but it adds die so That's much. What I'm going to do run it, and die. You know, it adds so much to our lives, and so you know, and it's just something that I think that there's ways that we can give back to that that world that place and a lot of times that's what i that's what i tell people at the end of the book the message from the kill we or the little people is to find that place and plant your flag you know mm-hmm. uh, keep it clean you know take care of it um you know and so it's just it's a simple ask you know i'm just like i'm just thinking about it and like when you do think about folklore and you're talking about like the, the small folk i mean beyond just the hobbit even even in even in a song of ice and fire you have the 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 children of the forest, uh, I think even Narnia, like has Santa Claus, it has elves. Like there is like a, a reoccurring theme of like these these small, wise, uh, almost aloof um, characters, and and I, it seems like it's almost a universal thing. Right, right, yeah. In my book, there's also it's when I get into the Ashland Run, and um and this is this is um it's um it's 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 the part of the book that deals with the um where they're doing it it's at the elizabethan theater and this is the monster from the tempest from a shakespeare play and that was the caliban and then you also had um there was the other there was the other side to that um and i'm, and I'm trying to look up the name here um it's the one where um it's it's the caliban and also then then you had the little people i think that was ariel and that was a character that was in the play. And so, you know, even Shakespeare incorporated the giants and the little people into one of his plays. And, you know, and so so it's something that this this transcends so much time. And, you know, and even there was a story about how, like in Ireland, where they had these altars for the little people, but those would get those would get uh, co-opted to the statues of the slain of the saints. And so. Mm-hmm. And so here comes organized religion changing, you know, basically this religious path that people were already on and, um, you know, saying, no, believe in this. And, you know, and that that happened, I don't know, two or three thousand years ago. Right. And so 
So I know Iceland too has like I know I mean I know elves is a general term. I mean some elves are, you know, human height. Some elves are small. Um, but I, I know like in Iceland too, they do have little elf homes. Uh, if you go look on the side of the road, painted into rocks oh, and right. stuff like that. Maybe not quite to the extent of the Eurovision film. Right. But they do have like bowls and stuff where they'll have painted houses and you leave offering to the, the elves, which are little folk in mm. this case. I mean, I know elves aren't always little folk. They're not always, you know, the, the cobbler and the elves are not always Santa Claus. Right. But, uh, right. um, but yeah, yeah. So I know sometimes that, that, I mean, that, that, again, it's the same. And I, I think. They found I, I use the word hobbit in a non-fictional term now, but they found what an air quote hobbit, like a, a tiny person uh, skeleton or series of skeletons in, I believe Indonesia. Oh right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I could have that could have been a, uh, a mutation thing, but that's it's still I think the idea of giants. I mean, going all the way back to, to Gilgamesh, um, the idea of giants and you being the small person and then you. Kind of that Gulliver's Travel where you have the Lilliput people that are small to you, but then you are the Lilliput people to someone else. I feel like there's always a bigger fish, and that's been a reoccurring theme throughout folklore right. that I think has been explored uh, throughout the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a fun, you know, and it's something that, you know, um, for the Bigfoot believers and so forth, it's just, you know, it's this fun aspect to it. And for us not to get too wrapped up and know this is the truth and this is what I want you to believe, you know, just... You know, it's more like, hey, you might look at this as a topic and, you know, and especially to those folks that are in Oklahoma or wherever they're at, you know, to look at the native lore and to see how that's been handled in their respective area over the course of time. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it's <laughs> and it's, it's something that as a because I'm a historical researcher just by hobby. And, um, and that's why on my Facebook page, I'm posting up pictures of the Oregon caves and so forth like this. And, you know, it's just an area that I happen to know super well. Um, you know, and the area, I mean, it offers all these crazy things up there. I mean, there's lost caves up there. There's there's people still digging pockets. You know, sure. a pocket is, a, is an occurrence of gold where you find, mm. you know, like in this case, they found about 3,200 ounces in about, a, in about an area about the Are size it? of your truck bed. You know, <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah. So, so go. So, so yeah, and that's 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 one thing that's fun about these areas because there's you know there's still this adventure you know and you can still get out there and find these behemoth trees or caves or you know whatever whatever feature you're looking for. Um, but if for nothing else, you get out there and you get to have that that wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, I think that's all the questions that i have florida man you got anything no i mean i agree i think caves are a special place again like i like hiking in Love caves mm -hmm. i found a, a squirrel skull in a cave and i, oh, I kept disgusting. it disgusting oh, wow. you know there, there's a lot of life and death i feel like in caves it's, it's a savior there's also a boneyard i feel yeah i feel like do caves are a special yeah way to end it <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why it's a special way to end it, but it is an intriguing idea. Yeah, um, yeah, it's... but no, yeah, I, I don't have any further questions. Um, but yeah, before, before we go, anything more you want to add? Uh, uh, I just want to give you a moment to, to shout out, you know, your website, any maybe YouTube channel you have, social media outlets. I know Instagram. You've mentioned Facebook already. Uh, your novel, where to buy it, and uh, any future novels we should anything look out. Anything and everything. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So, Greg Walter, author, uh, is 
is one of my Facebook pages. The other one is just Greg Walter, mm-hmm. and I'm in Cave Junction, and I post you know a lot of local history. Um, the book is offered through Open Books Press. I'm actually going to be on a podcast tomorrow with with uh, uh, Word Journeys Literary Services, and nice. uh, and you know going through a going through some interviews and stuff there. Um, I plan to be at next year's Comic Con here in Los Angeles. Um, I am also. Um, I'm working with a lady right now who is an assistant writing professor at Georgetown University, semi-retired, and she's helping me turn this or, or format it into a seven-part miniseries uh, formatted for television. Nice. So, awesome. Do you have any networks that you're scoping out? Or? Um, you know, I think right now the one I the one I seem to like the most is HBO, but I mean, I'll, you know, I'm willing yeah. to take any, any offers. Don't blame you there. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, you know what? I think one of the most underrated shows, I know everyone talks about, oh, Game of Thrones, right. Sopranos. Okay, I stand by that Black Sails oh, really? is one of the best. I love Black Sails. I think it was on Stars. I thought it was oh, on right. cable TV. Okay. No, ah. I think it was on Stars. Right, I'm going to look this up really quick. Uh, Black Sails. Yeah, Black Sails was so freaking John good. John Malkovich it takes, so, Blackbeard, so, right? No. What am I thinking? Definitely about? not. Oh no. Yeah, so it was on stars. No, so 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 Black Sales is this it, I think Michael Bay was one of the producers, which I think turned off a lot of people. Right. But it, it does showcase a lot of re- like actual pirates. You do have Blackbeard, you have Anne Bonnie, you have oh, wow. Calico Jack. Um but but the focus is this is this is actually a prequel to to Robert Louis Stevenson's novel, uh, Treasure Island. Uh huh. So it's like the origin of how like uh Long John Silver lost his leg. Where Captain Flint left the treasure, Billy Bones, and how why he's on the run at the beginning of the novel. It touches on all these things while incorporating real pirates, and it was so good. The production value was awesome. Wow! And so I would say, I know stars. If you're going to put your budget into something else big like that, man, come on, Ridge Walkers. Right, I know you can do it. Is. Stop watching on black sales. Yes. Come on, people. I, I don't. I know the star subscription is just. Yeah, and part of what I did in I the mean, book- they advertise like Playmobil in the front of their their yeah. advertisements, but. That show, I will vouch for. Well, huh. Black Sails is, is an absolute freaking treasure that I feel like I'm the only person that watched. Yeah, that's fun you bring it up because I because I mentioned a treasure story in the book and, and that was based on a yeah. real search. And so, um, yeah, it's a fun, crazy. You know, this was a murder suicide in the 1890s. Oh God! And um, and the backstory of it, it was basically ill-gotten gains from smuggled ivory. Um, you know, oh. it, you know came into San Francisco. So I so I plan to play that up, you know, more in the episodes. And um, but it's mm. kind of a side note, but it's also something where I wanted to bring about reward for Alex, the character, for you know having gone through all the stuff he went through. And it was well, Alex is your main character. Yes. Is he kind of like the surrogate for like some of your experiences. Yes, or? yes, he is. And so um, so yeah, I just you know what's fun about writing a book like that, especially fiction. You can take your character, you. And <laughs> embellish the snot out of it and have a lot of fun with it on the way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. It's great. But thank you, guys. Thank you very, very much for thank you. for hosting me. And, and I appreciate all that you do. Yeah, of course. And for you folks at home, feel free to shoot us an email at the tailgate podcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at the tailgate podcast for photos, cast info, updates, and more. See you later, tailgaters. <laughs>